Welcome to GBMA Education's Biosimilar podcast series. Pharmacy substitution in Australia can occur if a biosimilar medicine has been deemed substitutable to its reference biological medicine at the time of PBS listing. If prescribers have a preference of brand for their patient, they can check the brand substitution not permitted box on the prescription. In this, the 10th episode in a series of 12 podcasts, David Ford, Director of Pharmacy, will provide insights into the role of hospital pharmacy and biosimilar medicines. Welcome, David Ford, and thank you for participating in GBMA Education's Biosimilar podcast. When did you first use a biosimilar medicine? So once the biosimilar came available on the market and it was PBS reimbursed, then we would make it available for prescribing. If we had a clinician who wanted to use one of those products prior to listing, we would ask that to be managed on an individual patient basis. But in the hospitals that I've worked at recently, if it's PBS reimbursed, then we make it available for prescribing. What initial concerns did you experience in regard to the listing of a biosimilar medicine? There was some hesitations from the clinicians. In the initial absence of any evidence to show that they were safe to switch and safe to interchange, that they probably needed some convincing and needed some clinical evidence to show that it was okay. I think these days now, once the North Switch study was published, and it seemed relatively clear from a head-to-head study that there didn't appear to be any change in efficacy or safety profile or patient outcomes, that they felt much more comfortable in being able to prescribe a biosimilar agent. So I think if you go back a few years, there was probably some, some hesitation. I don't feel the same hesitation these days because there's now some published evidence to support the fact that substitution with biosimilar agents is both safe and efficacious. How did you address initial concerns about biosimilar medicines? So when we did have some concerns, it was probably early on with our filgrastim and our peg filgrastim. We sat down with our oncologists and really talked through uh, what the, the, the usage of, bi- of biosimilars may well be. Um, we spoke about the uh, various um, indications for those products. When appropriate, I directed some of the industry to go and speak to those people and provide the appropriate evidence and published evidence around substitution and equivalence. And I think once that published data got to the clinicians and they saw that there was some evidence around that, I think they became a bit more comfortable. How broadly are biosimilar medicines used at your hospital? So substitution, we rely a little bit on clinician choice. Now, I know that we have a couple of patients Uh, at our hospital who still are on the originator product. And that's after discussion with clinicians that they were particularly refractory or difficult to treat patients and the clinician was reluctant for those patients to perhaps make the substitution. But I would say they're the minority now that the majority of our patients have switched over to a biosimilar agent. We haven't had, I haven't been aware of any adverse outcomes or changes in patient outcomes or efficacy changes or safety profile changes. Um, Nothing's come to my attention. But if a clinician thinks that it is appropriate for a patient to stay on the originator, then we will have a discussion with that. And look, we we won't um, demand that that patient changes, but we will always ask the clinician to consider a biosimilar should it be clinically appropriate in their opinion. What is the role of the hospital pharmacist in counselling a patient about a biosimilar medicine? So counselling patients for biosimilars is an important part of the process and it's a role for hospital pharmacists in particular. We would hope that the discussion has already been had with the prescriber, with the patient, to talk to them about substituting one uh, 
monoclonal antibody for another, let's say. But I think the role of the pharmacist is to reassure those patients that this is quite appropriate and safe and that the effects that they can expect are equivalent and the same. Uh, we provide patients with consumer medication information leaflets, uh, direct them to various websites or studies if they want to look at those, but really provide some reassurance to them that this is a perfectly uh, reasonable substitution. I would compare it to substituting with a small molecule generic that they would be used to in the community and doing this with a much more complex molecule. What information would you provide a patient starting on a biosimilar medicine? So if we had a patient who was starting on a biosimilar, we would ask the hospital pharmacist to go and speak to them, answer any questions or concerns that they may have, we would provide them a consumer medication information leaflet, which have all the details on that. We may even provide them a information leaflet on the originator product so they can compare and see that they're relatively the same. We may refer them to various websites or perhaps studies that they might want to look up on their own and really give them the opportunity to ask the pharmacy department or the pharmacist at any time any questions or any concerns that they have that they can call uh, give them advice or, or, or uh, contact details or drug information centres or something similar, but really be quite open and, and provide the information to them so as they are comfortable that this substitution to a biosimilar is safe and effective and will not cause any problems associated with their treatment. Do patients tend to have concerns? Look, we've had very few concerns from patients, but a couple of people have obviously asked the question, yeah, is this going to work the same? I've been quite stable on my originator products, so can I expect this not to work as well? Are they going to have any other side effects? So they are perfectly reasonable questions for patients to ask. Uh, we have to provide the information to reassure them that from a, from a testing and from a uh, indication perspective that these medications are substitutable and equivalent and they shouldn't notice any change in their disease control in their adverse event profile or in their toxicity profile at all. How has the use of biosimilar medicines benefited your hospital? So from a financial perspective within our hospital, the use of biosimilars has actually um, allowed us to reduce the expenditure on those particular agents and therefore reduce our drug budget. What that means is, is that that money is now able to be invested in new therapies to become available to patients. So it's almost the same as how this is going to affect the PBS. The, the ability to have biosimilar agents to create savings in the PBS allows for the ability of that money to be reinvested into new therapies. And so PBS reimbursement and hospital access to new monoclonal antibodies and new fusion proteins will be made possible because the biogeneric agents are allowing a reduction in cost and therefore creating capacity for investment in new treatments. What advice would you give a community pharmacist when deciding on whether to offer a switch to a biosimilar medicine? For community pharmacy, if they're perhaps exposed to one of their first times of a, of a substitution or a switching between biosimilar and they're not quite sure whether they should or not, I would encourage them to speak to the clinician directly and just ask them whether they are comfortable to substitute one to the other. Now, the clinician may have a view to say, look, no, I want this person to stay on the originator because they've been a refractory patient in the past and I've now got them stable and I really don't want to mess with their therapy. Or they might say, actually, I'm quite happy for you to substitute. So I think, I think it would be very worthwhile for that to happen. We, we would have that same conversation with a clinician in a hospital uh, under certain circumstances if they prescribe the originator. 
we may go to them and say, look, is there any reason why you wouldn't consider a biosimilar in this age, in this patient? I would take their advice because this, in the end of the day, is a clinical decision and to me it needs to be made by the clinician. But if you can make the clinician comfortable that the substitution is appropriate, then you can go ahead and know that you've got them engaged and the patient engaged as well. What advice would you give a community pharmacist in regard to biosimilar medicines? So for community pharmacists now, um, they perhaps need to start thinking that complex proteins and fusion proteins and monoclonal antibodies are no longer the um, domain of hospital practice, that they will become the domain of primary care practice. And so they need to actively seek out education opportunities and start to make themselves aware of these products and what they do clinically and the advice that they've, they're therefore going to have to give their patients when they come to them and ask them questions about biosimilars and substitutions, just like happens in hospital practice now. Can you comment on the future role of biosimilar medicines? So the future for biosimilars is going to be quite extensive. The reason I say that is because of recent times, there really hasn't been any small molecules released as part of new treatment therapies, apart from maybe the gliptins or some of the tyrosine kinase inhibitors or some uh, small molecules used for multiple sclerosis. Other than that, the, the vast majority of new drugs in the last probably five to 10 years have been complex proteins, fusion proteins and monoclonal antibodies. And the fact is they are the products that are gonna come away from patent protection in the next little while, which means biosimilars. So in the next 10 years, the things that we're going to see onto the market are going to be biosimilar agents of existing complex proteins that are already being used. So the idea that biosimilars is somehow a new entity, which it is now, in 10 years, it is going to be just standard practice. And there are going to be a heap of biosimilar agents available on the market as the current biosimilars come away from patent protection. So you can expect in the next little while, uh, uh, biosimilar agents for rituximab, adalutamab, a number of these agents that have been in Australian market for now probably seven or eight years, maybe longer, 10 years, to come to the market with biosimilars. So this is gonna become a much more regular process. And so acceptance and utilization of biosimilars in the Australian medical field is going to become much more extensive in the next 10 years. Thank you, David Ford, Director of Pharmacy, for joining us. We appreciate your time. For those listening online, the next podcast in our series by GBMA Education will be with Barry Jenkins, who will share his experience into bringing biosimilar brands of biological medicines into his hospital formulary and the impact on patients and practice. If you would like to know more about biosimilar medicines in Australia, please visit the Biosimilar Hub at www.biosimilarhub.com.au.